Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Microsoft 365 focused IT security professionals. It's episode six of season four. Sam and I had a discussion recently around passwordless authentication. We dived into what it is and how it can benefit an organization's security posture. Here are a few things we covered. What is passwordless authentication? What are the benefits of introducing passwordless to your organization? And what does Microsoft Enter ID provide for passwordless? It's a really great episode. So without further delay, here's the episode. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Anything exciting happened to you this week, Alan? Uh, probably wasn't this week. Nothing too much this week, but... Uh... We had some announcements last week, I think it was, around Azure AD. Oh, yeah. Tell us more, Alan. Tell us more. Yeah, so we've seen Microsoft Entra sort of become the name for that product suite. And Azure AD was part of that. Um, and Microsoft have now, after it's, it's probably been a year now, actually, thinking about it, from that sort of announcement. Um, they're now moving Azure AD... Uh, rebranding Azure AD to Microsoft Entra ID. Wow, so it's finally... It's, Joining the club. Yeah, it's finally completely consumed uh, Azure AD, right? Uh, because Entra's, you know, it's been its own separate thing, hasn't it? You know, entra.microsoft.com, right? Um, and it still is um, <laughs> a lot of what Azure AD has been right, um, and it still remains to be that. But um, I think this is a real, um, you know, a real push to solidify sort of the identity side of Azure into one sort of cohesive, you know, uh, name, uh, if that makes sense, and, and catch all for, you know, those various products that are there. Yeah, well, it's kind of um, how Microsoft branded some of the other products that weren't just about Azure. Because I guess your AD was, it's on in Azure, it's for Azure, it's only, yeah, that sort of thing. And we had, you know, Azure Security Center move to Microsoft Defender for Cloud. This is, I think this is kind of taking the Azure name out of it as, in effect, you know, bringing it into the entry side of things. So um, one thing to note is that the capability is identical. It's just, in effect, a naming rebrand at the moment. Um, APIs, login URLs, PowerShell commands, all that sort of stuff isn't changing. Lots of so the Microsoft be... website <laughs> hasn't changed yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a slow transition. I think it's, I think they said somewhere around like October times when we'll see some proper, I say proper changes, but some big, you know, bigger visible changes to naming around everywhere. Um, um, but one of the main things as well is all the um, licenses are changing their name, as you can imagine. So you've got things like um, Azure, AD, Azure AD Premium P1 is now just, I say just, but just being called Microsoft Entra ID P1. So they're just losing the premium name there um, out of it. And P2 is is you know exactly the same, Microsoft Entra ID P2. Um, and then the Azure AD external identities is moving to Microsoft Entra external identity. So it's fairly simple, he says. 
yeah well, we've seen some of the other sort of um sort of sections that were sort of within or, or around um Azure AD previously move out to sort of Entra, haven't we? Like, um, what was it that we were looking at? Uh, sort of joined devices and hybrid joined devices. It's it's yeah. now Microsoft Entra joined devices, not Microsoft Entra ID joined provide uh, devices. So we have seen also a bit of a carve out in terms of the sort of identity specific. Um, d didn't they refer to it as sort of ID as the front door in effect? Um, and then with the other sort of solutions as part of the sort of the entry suite, if, if I remember recall correctly. Yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah. And I, I, what was interesting is, is that obviously when Microsoft rename things, um, there's, there's always, you know, um, sort of vocal feedback that comes back because um, Microsoft does have a tendency to to, to rename things. But um, what what I th what I thought was interesting is a lot of people were were, were highlighting that um, you know the original Azure AD name didn't make a lot of sense um, because it's not Active Directory in Azure, is it? You know, it's, it is a completely separate thing, and I, I hadn't seen it, but I, I saw quite a lot of messages around that that was quite confusing um for a lot of people um the, you know the word ad uh there so in so in some ways it, it's kind of nice that we've got a clear sort of really clear segmentation of of what you know th this cloud identity system is um over you know active directory and, and other technologies like that yeah and i think it probably was close to uh, when it first came out, it was probably close to being a cut-down version of Active Directory AD. Yeah. And it's just morphed so much since then. I mean, that was, what, four, five, six, seven years ago probably now. You know, it's it's definitely completely not Active Directory anymore. No, 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 no. And that's and that's not necessarily a bad thing either in, in some respects, yeah. right? You know, I know there's still, you know, lots of reasons to keep that tooling in place, right? There's, 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 there is gaps there. Um, but it is a completely different. It's a completely different environment and a different solution to meet that environment. So, so yeah, I, and I, I do. It, it's good that they're now really starting to sort of solidify it into like one thing. You know, like um, we we had the Purview rebrand, right? Which at the time, and it's still. <laughs> It's still taking time because there's effectively like twenty different solutions there now. Yeah. Under a different well, they were in different places that needed to be sort of um, you know, made more consistent in their naming approach, right? Um and so it, it's kind of good that they're going through that process, I think, with with Entra and sort of bringing it into one, you know, um consistent sort of naming um scheme. I mean personally i don't like change you know i don't want to have to go and update all of our documentation um i I'm, I'm definitely not looking forward to that um and i i still i still when i'm on calls i'm i'm just saying it and then apologizing for it afterwards because i think it's going to take me a long time to, to 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 get my get my head into it because yeah but um but no it's um it's a definite show from microsoft that entrer is here to stay and 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 that's and that's the way that they're moving. So, um, from from that perspective, uh, I do like it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so should we um dive into um passwordless authentication? 
Yeah, sure. Okay. So, Alan, um, yeah, can you just give us a, sort of a brief overview of, you know, um, what password authentication is? Yeah, so this kind of talk around authentication generally, I guess, that, you know, we've been in a world, we're still in a world, I should say, it's not been, um, where we, uh, you know, everything needs a password to log into, username and password. Um, technically, there's nothing wrong with that, but with the world changing um, and phishing attacks being you know, more difficult to identify and things like that, um, it now becomes quite easy for potentially bad actors to you know, compromise those passwords and then try to reuse them in various places. Same thing on a, on a local machine. If if um, if they take over the machine, they you know, they can compromise the password. You know, then they can you know log into other things. Um, so Microsoft probably I don't know three three years ago maybe started bringing out the you know the the let's remove passwords from the world. You know, it's the weakest link. Um, we see, you know, we see we've seen multi-factor authentication MFA come in to be like the the extra bit to it to enhance that part um but really if we can move to something um you know where there is you don't need to type in a password um to get into your account things like that you know there's it makes the user experience simpler and it can't be comp you know potentially it can't be compromised because you're not actually typing anything in nothing on that machine can read it because you're not actually typing anything and that's the kind of goal I think, Mike. We, you know, the world, or you know, multiple things now a single sign-on, so you don't need a password for various things within Azure, within Azure AD Enterer ID. Um. So, yeah, so it's just bring it's just in effect, you know, authentication without the need for a password, and that's using potentially you know, Fido two keys, um, other things like Winners Hello, um, and uh. I've got to think now what else is the other thing. And yeah, Windows Hello Fire Two Keys and um authentication applications as well, where they just yeah, they do the um key combinations, things like that. Yeah, and you know the passwords, you know, uh, ca can be highly secure, you know, and they can be a, a great, you know, defensive mechanism. But we, we do see a lot of, you know, bad practice, you know, with passwords, right? Password reuse you know, insecure storage. Um, also, like you say, attack vectors, which specifically target, um, you know, credential scraping, you know, on people's machines and, you know, malware. And, and you know, th there's there's many different, you know, attack vectors. So, um, you know, passwords, when used correctly, you know, can be highly secure, can't they? Um, you know, you know, like you say, billions of people every day you know, put passwords into systems and, and on the whole, you know, that is, that is one way of approaching that problem. Um, but, but as you say, if you can remove, you know, it almost seems too good to be true, you know, uh, remove the passwords, you know? Um, so there, there's a big sort of cultural shift there, isn't there? Um, with, with, with that approach and, you know, that, that can, can be a little bit scary for people change. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it kind of feels like it's less secure in some form because you don't have a password, you know, you're in that mind frame that, you know, you need a 16, yeah, minimum of 16 char character password, maybe, which like you said, is 
great for security, but from a security health or the the password health, like you said, users aren't going to remember it very well. Yes, we try, we try, you know, saying you you know it should be, you know, a, a passphrase that you use so you can remember it, but you know it's not your name of your dog, it's not name of your cat, etc., or your firstborn, etc. But yeah, users won't want to change that that often because it also depends on your rotation as well. You know, maybe you change it once a month and it's 16 characters. Some, you know, most users aren't going to change the password that much. But if you think, like you think, said, think how many passwords and sites that you have in your personal LastPass, right? The last time I even looked at the vault, it was over 700 logins on mine, right? Which is a mix of various different things. And some of those, like you say, in sort of enterprise environments have to be rotated, right? So it's not just the fact of you've got to potentially store hundreds of passwords or remember them, you know, for various different accounts. It's also the fact that every single time you are forced to, you know, refresh that password, you have to have a different version. So it's like you're you're, you're potentially taking hundreds of passwords with you forward. And so the default, you know, for especially less technically minded users is to effectively just reuse a password or make very slight variations on that password. Yeah. Right. And then, or add, like you say, memorable information and maybe use memorable information about themselves. Um, that is also easily gleaned, you know, by an attacker. Right. You know, so there's, there's, there's multiple sort of potential failure points there. And we've also got like the human aspect of that as well. Right. You know, a, a human is is managing that, right? And I think, you know, that authentication process, we need to think about what are the weakest links in that chain, right? Because it is a, it's like a, you know, a, a chain of a process that you need to go through, and um, and and potentially removing us out of that um could be a could be a positive thing. Yeah, and, and you know, we can, like you say, we, we may have multiple passwords for multiple applications, but we can, outside of passwordless authentication um we can do single sign-on with enter microsoft enter id azure ad um to reduce some of those passwords that the amount we have but you've still got then the master password to your account that then has access to the various applications so then there's more risk i guess sometimes there's more risk on that on that account which means you increase the password length the security of it the MFA prompts, etc. So, yeah. Okay, so yeah, can you just take us through, you know, from a, I suppose, not, you know, m maybe not from a, a personal perspective, but sort of from a, you know, an enterprise or organization perspective, you know, what are the benefits in, you know, uh, removing passwords um, f from your environment? So, so going passwordless is a journey. Okay, so you can't today... Um, remove the password from your uh, from your laptop. Uh, there are ways around it. There are things you can do, but generally, if you're in a in an Active Directory domain, you have to have a password majority of the time, um, or when, at least when you sign into it. Sometimes, but it is a journey, and the reason you know the benefits of kind of introducing it is that you can. You know, these passless authentications are not, um, they're resistant to phishing because there is no, there's nothing to fish. 
at that point because there is no password they can reuse. Um, really talking around, you know, what passwordless is, is kind of the authentication part of it. And um, then, so, you know, kind of think about the three things, you know, authentication, something you have and something you are or know. Um, passwordless is, is that part of the, is the authentication, which would be normally your password. And then something you have would be, you know, your security key, your phone, your Windows device. Um, and then something that you, you are or you know is then your PIN, your your biometrics kind of thing. So it's kind of bringing those bits into, into play at the same time. And what it means is that you haven't, you, you don't have to worry too much about users um, storing their password on a piece of paper when they, you know, when they're going around because it's too long, you haven't got to worry about, you know, it not being very healthy, those passwords, because you're right. If, if they're using the same password they do for their personal accounts and that gets compromised, then there's risk obviously there of then their, their corporate account being compromised. So bringing passwordless in means that there's a different mechanism for um, authentic, you know, for authentication, but also it means that a user doesn't have to then, you know, has a different sort of past, well, it's not a password, but a different mechanism to sign into your work accounts and things like that so that they're not using their passwords that they use at home. They're not using their, you know, if you're, if you allow, bring your own, they're not using their windows laptop to sign into your, to their work account. And, you know, maybe their, their home PC is compromised. They're using password authentication to get in. There's nothing there that can be taken, you know, so from an organization security perspective, you know, it does, it does that sort of slight increase in your security posture because you're making it harder to get the credentials because they're, you know, in effect, there's no credentials to steal per se, apart from on the devices or in the technology that we're using passwords for. Um, and from the user perspective, they don't have to remember a password. <laughs> I mean, from a personal perspective, I use passwordless at work. And to be honest, I have to go and reset my password whenever I need it because I don't remember it because it's so irregular that I use it. And there's only so only a couple of applications where I need to use it that I forget. And I have to, if that is quicker for me to go and, you know, self-service password, reset it and use MFA and et cetera to, to, to get to it. So, so are you saying that, you know, to start off with, even even sort of an authentication process, like a modern authentication process, let's say that that's using passwords, is still going to have multi levels to that that authentication, right? Because you're gonna you're gonna bundle that with, say, MFA, yeah, right. You know, some sort of challenge, you know, on that that authentication. So are you are you basically saying that you don't lose a layer of authentication security in 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 effect you just change it to something else so you, you're basically saying you know instead of having a password so if you take the password out and you've just got mfa left you would then layer on like biometrics on top of mfa to verify you know to to to, to double verify that the person actually interacting with that mfa prompt is the the person that we think it is uh, as an example so you still got multiple levels of coverage it's just you know it's your let's say your fingerprint or your face ID 
instead of your password, which again is a unique, you know, a, a unique hash of your biometrics, I assume, um, at that point anyway. Yeah, exactly. So using other you're using other ways to authenticate that aren't isn't a password and that could be you know um number matching number matching and pin to the phone so yeah. you've, you know, you're you're proving that you're it's you doing it and then you've got the right. pin to your phone okay so you've also got a um sort of a session based challenge which is a you know it's not just you know um a, a click of a button or a you know a presence you know uh, detection. It's also a like you say like a you know um, you're shown a number on the screen eleven and you've got to punch that into your app as well because you've got sort of a real time session based challenge there that somebody has to to meet as well. Yeah, and and that's there today with you know with MFA and you know, that's not necessarily passwordless, but that's just proving that you are there and that you can't just auto approve it. You know, it stops you from auto approving. MFAs, you think it's yourself, kind of thing. So it's proven yeah, that it's and, you. Yeah, and, and what you're saying is, is you'd you'd layer those authentication, I call them challenges. You know, I, I don't know what the the best way of describing that is, but you know, those authentication challenges on top of each other anyway. So you just add to the pile, and which means that in theory you can take passwords away, and keep a really good security posture. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you think about um physical security and accessing a, a room you use a pass key don't you, you use your, your id to get into a building to let you in and you have to have that physically on you to to get in and some of them you need that plus a pin and if it's super secure you got to do that that and embark, you know a, a retina scan you know whatever it might be so it's just kind of reinforcing that a little bit that you need multiple things to prove who you are that and just removing in effect removing a password yeah definitely yeah a hundred percent and so um so what options do we have you know inside microsoft entra id i think i got it right that time <laughs> uh, so what options does microsoft entra id provide um in relation to you know passwordless authentication how how does it you know enable that yeah so like i said you can't we can't completely remove the password option because it's not there yet because we need to get more adoption of passwordless. But um, you're able to use um, able to use the Microsoft Authenticator app to do passwordless. You're able to use Fido 2 keys, um, which are physical keys that you plug in and do and yeah with biometrics, etc. Um, and that's a really good. I really like that experience. Um, and you have Windows Hello, which is built into Windows 10 and 11. That's able to do your password authentication to to your cloud, to to Azure AD applications and things like that. So they're the kind of ones that you've they're there today, um, and some of them are really simple to set up and get going and user experience side of it. Okay, do you want to jump into say Fido Two Keys and just you know? Describe that experience to us. Yeah, sure. So Fido 2 keys are um, physical keys, like I, I said, um, and they can have, in effect, when you plug, when you set them up um, within Azure, within Azure AD at Microsoft Enter ID, um, when you go to like the, the um, 
multi-factor section. Um, in effect, it can it binds your uh, a token to the key um, to allow you to authenticate when you go to the to the websites to to sign in. Um, but as you set it up, um, depending on which one you have, um, you set up a pin on it and a um, and biometrics if you've got a biometrics one. And one of the brands that is probably well known for it is Yubico, so YubiKeys. So quite a lot of theirs um, do Fido 2. And in effect, when you go to a website, I mean, for Fido 2 keys, it's even better, to be honest. Um, when you turn up to, to a website, you plug the key in. So you go to portal.azure.com, for example. Um, it asks you to sign in. And at the bottom, it says sign in a different way. Sign in using a key. You press that and it goes, right, put in your key. So you plug the key in and it goes, right, okay. Um, if you've just got a pin only one, not a biometrics one, um, it will say, type in your pin for the key, not for your account, for your key. You get into that key and it says, right, now on the keys, you have now a, a place where you have to touch it. And that's to prove that you're there. So someone couldn't just plug it in, walk away. It's to prove that you're physically there and you know the pin. So it's like those sort of two or three checks that we're doing. Once you do that, it signs you in. So in that experience, you don't type your username in or your password. Okay, because it's it's linked to that key. So and also with that mechanism, in order for somebody to get into your account at that point, they would need to physically have your key and the code for your key, right? Correct. So you would need some level of physical i'll call it a physical attack like let's hope you know touch wood let's hope that's that's not the case but you know you know um somebody would have to physically take that that key from you and they would also have to to, to know that code so there's there's effectively two items there correct so they they might they might be able to get the the pin code maybe if they compromise the machine but they can't physically get the the device or they can't touch it to prove that it's you there signing in well that's a completely so, different attack vector at that point right you know we're talking about physical you know security right like going back to your original example right and why you know physical you know because like some some doors you know open just by a tap of a card that can easily be cloned right you know but it's it's definitely uh another level of sophistication and complexity you know to you know to to, to and, and confidence, I suppose, that's required in order to get physical access to these items, right? You know, and and that is that that's a completely different vector. Um, that that so 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 there that that to me, and the fact that you said that you don't even have to know your username potentially, right? Yep. You know, at, at that point, how would you how would you handle like a single? F what what happens if I had multiple accounts? How would I? Would would I put my username in first and then pick my Fido? Like if I wanted a Fido so, for both my work and personal stuff. So you can add for the Fido 2 keys, you can have multiple accounts on there, but they have to be different vendors, different applications. So right. it is a one-to-one okay. -one kind of thing, as far as I'm aware anyway. So that you can, so cause like for instance, I've got my um, GitHub account on there as well as my microsoft account my corporate microsoft account 
plus a few other accounts on there. Um, so it's fine in, yeah, it's it's identities for different applications can be on there because it understands what site to go to, but you can't have multiple accounts for the same service. So in theory, you might you might want to have a personal Fido 2 key and a work Fido 2 key, for instance, for your two different sides of your, you know, your identity. Yeah. Okay. And um, you also mentioned um, Windows Hello. Um, so can you just talk to us about sort of what Windows Hello is and, and how it sort of, what's the user experience on that side as well? So Windows Hello is a feature on Windows 10 and 11. Um, in effect, it, it, it was the first probably passwordless that came out. And it allows you to sign into the device um, without a password. Now, I said previously that, you know, one of the passwords is that you can't really get rid of on a device. Um, that is definitely going, and Windows Hello did sort of help with that. Um, but there are still occasions when you need a password in the in the operating system, especially when talking to Active Directory. Um, so yes, yeah, so this brings sort of a different concept and there's quite a few um, views on whether this is different views on why it's more secure than typing a password in on a device. So the reason why I say that is that so on a Windows 10 device or Windows 11 device, um, you can set a you set a pin, you set a you can set up um, face recognition if you've got an ir camera um or you can do biometrics like your fingerprint on there so what it does is in effect it uses um when you sign in or when you set it up um it grabs an azure id azure id or microsoft enter id token um with it when you're signed in and you're hybrid joined or azure id joined i should say um grabs the token and stores it in the TPM along with your in effect your identity for that device into the TPM and the only way to get to that token is to unlock it with your face um, face recognition um, your fingerprint or your pin now I've had a few customers say well okay I've got a 16 character password um, and now I'm allowing them to use a six digit pin how is that more secure? And what we've got to remember is that that pin is only for that device. So if they jumped onto another machine, that pin wouldn't exist. So someone would have to physically get onto the machine, know that pin to do Windows Hello, or physically steal the device to then be able to sign in with, as them. So again, they have to, you know, like we say, you have to have physical access to the device, really. Because you know, when you're at the lock screen, it's going to ask you for a pin or your face or your fingerprint. And unless you know the password, which the users never use now because they've done it when they set it up and set up a pin, there's nothing you can do from an attack perspective. And this, in effect, then, when you're signing on to... Um, Azure and things like that. One, you've because you've signed into the device, you've done your multi-factor. We know who you are. You know you've done that, those checks because you've had to physically be at the device to do it. You need to know something, um, and that token then goes up to Azure AD's you know 
Um, winners Hello being an MFA, you know, a factor or a multi-factor sort of token goes up. So that means it's seamless going in. And again, you don't need your password because it automatically signs you in. Um, and if you do need to sign in, there's that button about, I need to use a, a key. When you do that, it then goes, well, do you want Windows Hello? Do you want to do your face pin thingy? Or do you want to use your Fido 2 key? So again, that allows you to have access. And one thing I didn't say is Fido 2 keys. You can plug that in and press the button and it will sign you in as well without needing username and password. So not only is that multi-factor into the cloud passwordless, but that's also access to the device being passwordless. And just rocking, you know, rocking up to any lap, any any device. Maybe you've got hot desking. You plug your Fido two key in. It asks you to press the button and type your pin in or your biometrics, and that's it. You're signed in. Great, great scenario for that is like um, I think one that Microsoft always uses the is the the airport gates for getting onto a flight when they have to like turn up to the the gate. They plug in, press the button, they're signed in. Get, get everyone checked into the plane and then they unplug, log it out, and that's it. They have to know a password. No one can still, you know, it's probably not written down somewhere because they can't remember it because it's, you know, 20 characters long and it's just left on the side. So, so yeah, Windows Hello has been there for a while, but it's definitely and you, matured and, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Alan. If you, if you, um, I think if you play that back, you know, with, physical access to sensitive areas in an organization right you might have a key fob you know let i'm thinking about like an office like a room with a bunch of like box files in it with confidential information right and i hope those rooms hardly exist anymore but i bet you they do right so <laughs> you know we might have a key fob that we go into that gives us access you know um, to a room um so even physical security doesn't have that multi-layered approach, does it? Because in theory, all you've got to do is have like a static key that can sometimes relatively easily be cloned, right? Yeah, in, it... in some scenarios, because I suppose you could have a, a key, a pin as well. You could have a key code yeah. and, and things like that, right? Um, so, so, so this is very similar to that. You, you, you walk up to your workstation, you plug in, there's a challenge there with a code and and maybe a, a tap, um, and and then it it seamlessly um gives you access um to that environment. So so yeah, that's you know that's obviously really powerful, um without a doubt. Um, so so also what about um you, you spoke uh, previously as well about um, Microsoft Authenticator, so you know that's you know that that's another concept um by itself, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, um, Microsoft Authenticator um, allows you to go passwordless because one part of it is that they can, um, in the app itself, you can do some registration to prove that it's your device, that it's you and things like that. So, um, when you set up the Authenticator and you, you set up your MFA with with Microsoft Ventura ID, um, that's all great. That'll do multi-factor authentication, like we said, the pin checking and things like that. Um, but what you can then do as well is within the settings, you can set to passwordless, passwordless authentication. And what that does is it does some extra checks on your device. It kind of um, manages the application to prove that it's you know secure and 
Um, nothing else can compromise it in effect. Um, and then when you set that up, um, when you then go to then sign in um, on a device, on a, you know, on Azure AD, as we always, we always not Azure AD, um, portal.azure.com, um, you type in your username, click next, and it goes, right, I'm not going to ask for a password. I'm now going to ask your authenticator for the number matching. So I do the number matching. Um, and normally that's it. Now it's going to ask you for your device's pin. So something that only you know. Well, only you should know, I should say. Um, for that, which then proves that it's you and that you're there. And then it will sing, Then it will just sign you in. And that's probably one of the potential easiest ones, I guess, to, to get out, apart from Windows Hello, um, from your Windows 10 devices and Windows 11. But yeah, relatively simple to set up. Um, and it's probably fair to say that with any of these, um, you can target who can use them as well within Microsoft Venture ID. So you can trial it with certain users or maybe only a certain department use it maybe because you want to keep passwords for maybe a certain area maybe until you try and test it so it's really easy to sort of adopt or start adopting um, passwordless authentication how about conditional access can you can, can you lock it down from that perspective for certain actions requiring yeah you know, passwords? so yes this came in recently that um when you look at conditional access and you go to the grant section, um, you used just to have uh, multi-factor authentication. Then you had app protection, passwords, etc., and all the other sort of types there. But Microsoft added a new multi-factor authentication tab. And for certain applications, you can force um, certain um, authentication methods. So one of them is um, phishing-resistant authentication, which is Fido two keys, Windows Hello passwordless authentic you know in effect passwordless authentication so you could say that if you want to access your hr system that is hooked up to microsoft enter id um you have to do phishing resistant authentication or maybe certain users have to do that and not others depending on you know what areas of sharepoint they might have or the files they have or the department they're in you know maybe finance have to do that Exactly. So you you can sort of, um, if you do have maybe more sensitive applications and actions that people are performing, you, you could, you know, sort of um, add a little bit of disruption to the user experience, but make things like, you know, gaining access to their desktop, you know, nice and simple and quick, right? You know, and then layer on additional checks dependent on what um, uh, people are, are wanting to do. So you, you do have some flexibility about how you deploy these technologies as well, right? It's not just a binary yes or no opt-in, is it? You know, you can decide the scope of users which are allowed to to do this and also, you know, the scopes in which it can be used um, based on, you know, context-aware actions as well. Yeah, and the in, in effect, the users have to do the setup as well. It's probably worth mentioning that because it's, it's them. You know, it's not something that IT can go off and set up all their FIDO2 keys and then hand them out is something that they have to do. Okay. So, Alan, I suppose the sort of million-dollar question is, is how much does passwordless authentication cost? 
password authentication technically doesn't cost anything to do, but to get the feature, I guess, you need Microsoft Enter ID P1 or Azure AD Premium P1. We'll keep with the, we'll, we'll, we'll use both names because it's still too new. <laughs> um, yeah, so you need Azure AD Premium or P1 or Microsoft Enter ID P1 um, to be able to start using it. So you can't use the free tiers of um, of Azure AD, Microsoft Enter ID um, um, to do it. So P1 but, is business premium uh, and things like that though, isn't it? Yeah, so, P, P1 is yeah. like M365 E3. You know, it's it's the, you know, if you if you if you use conditional access, you can use it. Okay. So, um, and you know, a lot of organisations will be at that level today, because um, it's been out for quite some time now, and and that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all you need for it. Apart from obviously, if you're buying Fido two keys, you have to buy physical devices. Um, they can range between forty and ninety dollars before that i think um some of them so depending on whether you want biometrics or just the pin the pin ones um but yeah and that i mean like i said i talked about yubico and yubikeys but there are other vendors out there that are doing them now so but i think yubico was one of the sort of first ones to to bring them out and um, they're pretty cool keys because they, they're fairly indestructible. Nice. We like that from a support perspective, right? Yes. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> cool. Is there anything else with password authentication you want to cover, Alan? Anything you, you think we missed? Uh, I don't think there's too much more to talk about today, um, but it might be worth um, maybe if anyone's listening and I talked about bring your own devices maybe jumping to um, season four, episode two, where we talked about securing, bring your, bring your own devices. Cause this would kind of tie into that, that, you know, you've got um, your windows, your windows devices at home um, with session control um, and they could use their FIDO2 key to log in. So they don't have to present their password to their potentially compromised device. Cause you don't know, you know, how dirty or how compromised, you know, end users personal devices are. Okay. At that point. Great. Um, so yeah, so Sam, what's see episode sevens? Um, so I'm going to take uh, the next episode and we're going to be talking about Azure automation accounts. Um, so a, a relatively, I say it's simple to deploy um, technology that can, uh, um, that can sort of uh, allow you to automate uh, tasks within um, Azure. Um, th there are, you know, th there's sort of many different products now in Azure um, that that you can use for automation, and and some of them do are very uh, similar. They, they kind of approach it in different ways as well. Um, but I'll be, I'll be talking about automation accounts, how they can be used, and sort of their feature set as well. Because um, when you're looking at those different sort of automation solutions, it's sometimes um, tricky to understand uh, sort of which one uh, you should go go for. I think we will do a further episode in actually comparing them sort of head to head. So it's just, you know, one singular uh, place for that sort of thought process. But we'll, we'll dive into automation accounts. Okay, right. That sounds, that sounds good. Um, 
Okay, so did you enjoy this episode? If so, please do consider leaving us a review on Apple or Spotify. This really helps us to reach more people like you. Um, if you have any uh, specific feedback or suggestions, um, we have a link in our show notes uh, to get in contact with us. Yeah, and if you've made it this far, uh, thanks everyone for uh, listening and we'll catch you in the next one. Yeah, thanks all.